Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Make sure they're not threatened by you. So that's important. You don't want to be threatened. And the employer wants to feel like they're in control, especially at the interview point. You need to really give that impression that you're going to work hard, that the job's important to you, that the firm's important to you. How did you do in law school? That's an okay question. It typically will have your transcript. So you're welcome to say you did okay or whatever, but I don't think it's that important of a question. Again, most law firms are not going to be that concerned with this. They do ask for your transcript. And for summer associates, it's sometimes important, but it depends on the size firm and the market you're in. The clothes, we talked about that earlier. You don't want to dress down too much for interviews, just to keep that. The other thing to understand when you're an attorney interviewing for a job, it's different than I've been seeing all these pictures this week and articles about the Sam Brankman Freed, who I guess the FTX collapse, and, and they're all talking about how you wear shorts and t-shirts and how it's so cool and people liked it. But he's like an entrepreneur. And when you're a, an attorney, I'm sure his attorneys are that represent him are all dressed up. When you watch his attorneys going to court, they're all dressed up and they look very professional. And attorneys are representing other people, so they need to look the best. And so so it may not mean that you have to dress up when you're in the office or at home, but you certainly do want to look good in the interviews. If you're shy, you don't have to appear confident when you're nervous. Law firms have all sorts of different types of people working for them, but you, you certainly do want to try to connect with other people in interviews. If you're very shy, you want to work on things like smiling, being interested in other people, and really do your best. There's in most practice areas, not all do need to be able to relate to other people. And, and so being a shy attorney is okay, but you may need to worry a little bit about the kind of attorneys, the practice setting you're in. There's nothing wrong with being shy. There's nothing wrong with being withdrawn, but you have to be in the right practice series. I had an interesting uh, interaction not too long ago with someone that was working for me. And, and at the time, there was all this drama going on in, with people that they were working with. And this person said, I, I try not to get involved in a lot of this stuff. I just like to put my head down at work. And so if you're shy, one, one way to get around that is is to, to just leave people with the impression that you're a very hard worker and you try not to get involved in office politics and so forth, and but you really enjoy practicing law or whatever practice area you're in. Nervous, you have to be careful about that. There are people that, that do things like, I was interviewing once with, a, with an attorney that had at one point been a partner, head of a major U.S. law firm, and lost his job in a scandal and then was off for several years and then was trying to get back into the profession. And I was talking to him and realized that he chewed off part of his lip. He now is at another big firm because it was a nervous habit. People do all sorts of things. I, I it was another thing that was funny. I was I used to work with a girl. My first job, she was an attorney, and then she went to the U.S. Attorney's Office and was prosecuting this big case. And it was on one of these police shows or these kind of real life shows where they were talking about all this work she'd done as a U.S. Attorney. I think it was someone that was making fake money or something. It was funny, the, the show. But what they did, what the producer did is because she had this habit where she'd always be playing with her nails and her cuticles and things. And so while she was talking, I, I couldn't believe it. The camera... And I was like, oh, this is someone I used to know very well. It's a star of this, this 2020 episode or whatever it was. And just focused on her fingers and showed all the damage she'd done by picking at them. So the, the point is these nervous behaviors, which are things like could be fidgeting, it could be picking things. It could be the way you talk. A lot of times people say, or does that make sense? And just these kind of nervous signs you really want to work on because people it makes people nervous. And it's just, you need to be careful. And then just getting to relax in interviews, which would be 
talking about a lot of personal details or things is very dangerous. And people, even if you feel like you're in a position where now you can be comfortable around someone that does not work. Sometimes people will do dumb things. I've seen even recently people being asked to smoke if they want to have a smoke a cigarette and they do. And it's, you know, no one smokes anymore, but just things like that. And then other things. So you need to be very careful. Never get too personal in the interview. Extremely careful with that. And then big firm versus mid-sized firms. Mid-sized firms. And anytime you're interviewing with a large major law firm, most major law firms assume you want to be there because they pay a lot and they're prestigious. But as you go down to smaller firms, they're often burned by people. So people go to work there and because the compensation and the prestigious and is high, they lose people. And so they really want to know that you're committed to them and you like them. And that's the kind of place that you want to work. If they don't get that impression, then they're not going to hire you. Big firms are can understand just by the kinds of people that work there. They're looking for certain types of people. They need people. They have a lot of work. So just different types of places. But anytime you're interviewing with someplace, it's not a major firm. You have to show them that you're sold on what they're offering and to be able to do that fairly quickly. Otherwise, they're not going to like you. I have had lots of instances when I was young where I interviewed with smaller firms that I had that knew I wouldn't want to go to work there. It just didn't work out. So you have to be very careful. And there were firms I would have liked to have worked at. I just wasn't able to properly. And then there's just some differences here. There's interviews with associates and junior partners and senior associates and partners. There's a lot of articles I've written about this, but typically when you're interviewing with people your own age or around your own age, they, meaning in terms of your experience level, so if you're a first year interviewing with another first year, they're just concerned with that you're someone that they like, that you seem like you would work hard and work with them and not try to look like you're better than them or make sure they're not threatened by you. So that's important. You don't want to be threatened. You don't. And then junior partners, a lot of times want to be and the more senior associates are going to be people that you're going to be working for, and especially in large law firms and even mid-levels if you're a junior. So senior associates are going to want to hire you or want people that are going to work hard and make them feel like they're very important. And the same thing goes with junior partners. They like people that make them feel important and like they're going to follow instructions and help them on their careers. So they need people that are good working for them that take things seriously. Other associates want to like people that your age are going to want people that are very that like them and they feel are connecting with them and could be their friend and they're not threatened by And then typically partners and also senior associates and many times junior partners as well are looking for people that are going to work very hard. You need to really give that impression that you're going to work hard, that the job's important to you, that the firm's important to you. And this is really something that you may want to do. You can also act even more competitive with give the impression to partners and junior partners that you're very competitive because they want to channel that competitiveness into hours. But associates... Do not want to see the most competitive people in the world because that means that there's a threat to them. And then, yeah, older partners like competition. They want people that are hungry. They may be concerned about grades if they're hiring the best people. But again, your ability to work hard is important. And then law firms often do interviews in unconventional situations. Sometimes there'll be lunch interviews. Other times they may do even a dinner interview. Sometimes they will interview you at a Starbucks or something during lunch. There's just all sorts of things that can happen with interviews. And then, of course, there's lots of Zoom interviews and phone interviews. But one of the things is when I've seen a lot of people make mistakes with is they will go out to an interview and have too much to drink. A lot of times there are partners that will go out and 
dinner and have five or six drinks regularly and all of them, but I've certainly been with people that do that. It's not, you cannot do the same thing. So if someone with urine is having a bunch of drinks, you can't do the same thing. You have to basically stop. And, and the same thing goes with lunch interviews. You really do not want to ever have a second drink or anything. You just need to be very careful. It's just, it's not that there's anything wrong with this and I'm judging it. It's just that it can make it look like you have bad judgment. You also want to eat at the same pace. You don't want to be careful about what you order and you just want to not order things that are the most expensive or you got, you understand what I'm saying. And then during the conversations at the lunch or the dinner, you want to be careful as well and be very respectful to the servers and, and nice to people never get upset and just be very careful. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. And again, the reason for unconventional interviews a lot of times is they're testing your ability to do small talk. They're testing your ability to have just get along in kind of an informal situation place. And then they're testing your ability to ask other people questions and be polite. And, and that's about it. This is video conferences and telephone interviews. Uh, a lot of times, obviously, Zoom is extremely common. So people do that all the time. And as a matter of fact, I think they're actually, for, especially for screener interviews, much more common than... Uh, just regular interviews. And those interviews, you always want to, of course, be on time. People are late to those now for some reason, but you always want to be on time. You want to look at the camera when you're talking. So you're making eye contact. You want to smile. You want to give direct answers and be prepared. Keep in mind also that your background is something that people notice. So they will they can see your background and if your background looks overly nice or not, it's just there's all sorts of things that your background's communicating as well. So you need to be careful about that and just kind of what you're showing. And then asking questions is very important. You certainly do not want to ask dumb questions, but if you have very good questions, that's very good. Typically, the sorts of questions that you want to ask are always going to be related to what is the biggest challenge of the job? What's most important? What what would you see my first 60 days looking like? Those are the most important questions. And you can generally get a sense right away if it's the kind of place you'd like to work. How quickly are you making your decision? Sometimes people ask that. Wrong with that? What does success look like to you? What? It, why do you need someone in this job? What What would it look like if I was... What would success look like to you if I... Six months from now, if I'd started this job tomorrow... Those sorts of things. So asking people to future pace and think about what your responsibilities would be like or what would make you do a good job, how what would be the most important things to do? What do you think the mistakes people have made in this job? Or what do you think people have done well in this job in the past? And what would you like to see more of? All those sorts of questions are very important. You can ask those in all interviews, but showing that you're thinking about how to do the job well, how to be very good at it is very important. And what are the things that you would warn people about or mistakes people make that you would like to see not repeated. Just anything that shows that you're very good. You should never are concerned about the job. You should never ask about salary, vacation hours, remote, starting date, all sorts of things. Just remember that all these questions, all you're doing when you ask them, you have the ability after getting hired to ask all these questions. So there's no reason to even ask them. If people said you want to know about the salary, 
you can say, I'd like to know about it at some point, but yeah, I'm more concerned about the work I do first. And that would really go over well. Would you like to know about vacation time? Yes, but I tend to work even when I'm on vacation. So I'm happy to know about it. giving the right answers is very important. You don't want to ask about the start date either. You can sometimes ask when, how soon could I start if I'm hired or when are you looking for someone, but I don't recommend that. And you should never ask about the time you need to be in the office. All these sorts of questions, when you start asking about those, what you're doing is you're taking back the power from the employer. And the employer wants to feel like they're in control, especially at the interview point. And employer wants to feel like they have control over the vacation. They want to feel the control. So let them feel that's perfectly fine. Obviously, if someone's going to commit to pay you you hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, then that's a form of control that you're going to have. At the same time, you have to let this stuff go. You don't want to ask about working remotely. You don't want to ask about how many days of the week you need to be in the office. Because just remember, every job that you're interviewing with is going to have multiple applicants. And these are things that people ask that end up getting them disqualified from jobs. So just don't do it. You have to wait to ask them later. Again, every employer has lots of options for people to hire. Now, some of them don't. Some people have had firms in the middle of nowhere, meaning they're desert somewhere. It's hard to hire people. In most firms, it's not that hard. So you need to make sure you try not to ask these questions. I understand that they're important to you and they should be. And But honestly, most stuff is negotiable. Salary is negotiable. Vacation time can be negotiable. All this stuff could be negotiable later. And uh, so the time to, to really start thinking about this is after you get the offer. Your job in any interview is to go in to get the offer. And any reservations you express at the interview stage is insane. Why would you close foreclose those options before you get an interview? You don't know what could happen. You could walk in from an interview that went poorly because you asked all these questions and lose your job a week from now or the firm could go out of business or something. You don't know. So you just have to be careful. If you feel like the firm doesn't isn't a good place for you to work after you get the offer and you feel like there's things that you don't like about it, then deal with it then. Or if you just know you're not going to work there, Right when you're interviewing, then then don't do it. There, there's one quick question I just I wanted to I, I always counsel all my candidates never to ask about compensation in interviews. And uh, and I'll tell you one quick story. I love the story just because it's first of all it's true, and second of all it's and not that it wouldn't be true, but it's hard to believe the story I'm about to tell you. But I had a girl that was working for me for a kind of basically a writer writing little news articles about law firms and things, and uh, and I found out at some point that she had worked at a major law firm, like a big New York law firm. And I was like, why is she interviewing with this? Why is she working in this job for us? And, and then she'd gone to a really good law school and, and she was living in the South somewhere with her sister in a small apartment. And, and I told her, you should, with this kind of record, you should start looking for jobs. And she was the kind of person that had a really bad experience in a major law firm. I think what had happened to her was she had been working for so many as a bad story, but she'd been working for so many hours at her firm that and basically not allowed to leave because you know that one of her eyes something like exploded and she rushed to the ER and then anyways the firm called her parents saying she wasn't there and if she didn't come to the office. And the point is that she had a really bad experience. And so after that she and sometimes she quit and and then was been past several years kind of off the grid. I got her some interviews in California with a big firm. She went into big firms, well, in small firms because she'd been unemployed for so long. And she went into this one firm and interviewed and she didn't think she'd ever get a job or not. She'd never worked there because the firm was not, it was in an office park and wasn't very nice. And the people she was interviewing with, she was used to working in a big New York firm all dressed in shorts and all that kind of thing. And so she didn't think it. And so after the interview, I called the firm. I was like, how did it go? And they said, we think it went, uh, it was one person running the firm. He said, I think it went okay, but 
I don't think she liked us very much and she didn't seem that enthusiastic. And I called her and I said, what's the problem? And, and did you like the firm? She said, yeah, but I don't think they could afford to pay me even as much as you're paying me, which was $20 an hour. So anyways, I called the firm and I said, well, yeah, she did like it, but she was concerned about what the pay would be. And the, the partner said, she would be making half of what she bills out. That's how I pay everyone that works for me. And she would bill out and at that time. I think it was $500 an hour. So she would make $250 an hour working here. And, and so her first year, she made an awful lot of money. Like she was used to working like 3,000 plus hours a year. And at this firm, I think she worked a couple thousand. So uh, completely changed her life. And she didn't ask about salary, but you just don't know about salary. Uh, it can always be negotiable. And even to this day, I don't, I haven't seen one from her in a couple of years, but I used to get Christmas cards and things from her every year. She was very happy about that. So a lot of times firms will surprise you with salary. You don't need to ask about it. And you don't want to ever express reservations. And if you have reservations, you can always deal with it later. And then these are just some articles I've written about interviews. I don't, there's a bunch of them uh, there online. You can always find those. I've written books and stuff too, but I don't really find those as well. So that's about it. I'm going to take a quick break just for a minute or two. And then when I come back, I can take questions about this or anything else you have questions about. Thanks. Will we get a PDF transcript of this presentation? Yeah, there's a, the transcripts are always uploaded for the, the webinars after. Sometimes it takes a while because we have to go through and edit them. But yeah, we do the definitely edit the transcripts. Next question. Some people put their names, so I'm not going to type your name out of the question on the screen, but I'll just... Uh, how do I guess the question of what you're practicing if I'm not currently practicing, but in law school and teaching law at the same time? So if a law firm is asking you your practice here, the practice here, by the way, is very important to for your choice of what the types of jobs you're applying for, especially if you're a law student. So law students, if you're a law student right now, corporate is probably slowing down. So you may want to start expressing interest in other practice areas like litigation, for example. But typically when court, when the economy is doing very well, then corporate is a good practice area. So if you're in law school and people are asking you your preferred practice area, most of the time the law firms will ask you what you're interested in. You're not expected to make a decision about that right now in terms of what practice area is. Even if you're teaching law and you're in law school, you're not expected to make a decision about that. One thing I try to always tell people, and this is not not something that you need to think about too much at the moment, but there's kind of two types of practice areas. There's transactional and there's like litigation and then there's science disciplines, but transactional and science IP type stuff. And then but transactional is going to be your like corporate, real estate, tax, things along those lines. And then your litigation is exactly what it sounds like. It's like litigation, like things we're writing that's involved. It could be environmental or other things. So the big thing to understand is, is a young attorney or anybody that doesn't have a lot of experience, and this could be patent prosecution for the most part, and someone with a scientific background. People that are interested in transactional practice areas are typically people that are naturally inclined to do math and science. And then people that do litigation are typically things like English, political science, that kind of, and then this would just be math, same thing. These are how the practice areas work. They're there's a bunch of different ones, obviously, but when you're trying to decide on a practice area, if you write down that you're interested and you want to do, say, wipe, anytime you write down a practice, you, you have to be very careful when you're when a law firm, especially when you're a law student, is asking you what practice area you're in. You're better off saying, I'm interested in transactional practice areas. I'm interested in things to do with litigation. Because if you say, I'm interested in transactional and you say, I'm interested in secured finance or something, then the law firm doesn't do that or they don't have any openings, that's going to 
a great problem. So I typically just recommend you say I'm interested in transactional litigation, or if you're in patent prosecution, that would be you talk about some patent prosecution. One thing I talk about every week, and I'll talk about it again this week, but I typically rank firms and candidates between one to five. There's nothing positive or negative about this either way. This would be consumer-facing firms and candidates that uh, with low budgets, meaning consumers do not have a, the, a lot of money to spend and the firms cannot pay the attorneys working there very much. And then you have five, which is which typically is large firms with huge clients with huge budgets. That's how to think about that. And then in between, the, and then this might be your typical AMLAW 200 law firm right here, or AMLAW typical 100, AMLAW 100, larger firm. And then this is going to be like mid-sized support. And then this could be small business. So the type of firm you work for will also often determine the type of practice area you should be in. Typically, if you are coming out of a really good law school, you would go to a three or four firm. And if you did exceptionally well at a really good law school, you would go to a five firm, maybe. Five jobs are very hard to get, but those are the best ones typically. And four firms typically pay as much, but or a major firm. And then as you come go down kind of the line here in terms of the to, to the ones, these are smaller firms that are more welcoming to different types of people where you'd be doing consumer-facing work. And there's nothing wrong with doing consumer-facing work. You can certainly move from a one to a four and stuff. But these practice areas are always going to be a little bit different than the practice areas that a, a five firm would do. Five firms are going to do different types of work. If they do a litigation, it's going to be major litigation. If they do litigation in a one firm, it's going to be smaller type matters. Understanding the type of practice area you should be doing is often going going to come down to a lot of different things. It'll come down to the law firm you're in or the type of law school you're doing. And again, or law school you went to and, and how well you did there. So there's nothing wrong with going. If you go to a really like a commuter school and you do really well there, you could theoretically get a job in a five firm. If you go and sometimes people will work in these different firms, there's really no reason that you wouldn't. It's just that that's how it works. Okay, let's see here. So some, and if you have follow-up questions about that, I'm happy to answer them. I realize it may not have been the best answer. Okay, what are some of the topics of bringing up during an interview? Okay, so the topics would be things that are too personal, which would be, it could be religion, politics, sex, health, just things that may make people uncomfortable and things that will allow people to reach conclusions about you that may be positive or negative. If you watch the news, people are obviously very passionate about politics, about being a Republican or a Democrat, and they literally hate each other. And a lot of, not all of them do, but they, but a lot of them do. So that there's a lot of things there. So why would you bring up your politics in an interview? I don't know, but if you do, it could hurt you. If you bring up your views in an interview, people again, have things about that. Some people dislike people of different religions. I think, so again, you don't want to do that. Same thing with sexuality. There's a lot of animosity about that. For And so people, that, if you bring up having health problems, that could hurt you because people will typically think that maybe you can't, you know, there's something wrong with you and you can't do the job, even though it's not relevant. And I'm trying to think health could be, you've committed mistakes, getting fired, dumb things you've done. I don't know. Just So just being careful in interviews, some of the things you want to avoid bringing up. But typically the things that I would just say are in anything where there are people are on two different sides or the, or the interviewer can be on a different side or something. So if you say, I hate people that like sports and they like sports, it's not obviously going to be a good thing. So anything that's going to put people on one side of the fence. Now, a, a lot of this stuff, by the way, I'm just going to say this, and I probably shouldn't, but people will always put the stuff on their resume. They'll put all sorts of stuff on their res religion on their resume. Is it okay? I 
personally think it is, but at the same time, it would probably it can hurt you in some aspects if you're applying to certain places because there are people that you know I don't make the rules or I'm not don't control everyone's thought. They may not like that. There's people that just you know whatever. If you put things about politics in your resume, just think about how much animosity there is about religion. Kanye West getting in trouble. Who knows? Just and then you have politics. Think about what's going on with there. Uh, Every day, people hate each other because of that and in the papers. Same thing with sexuality. And it's just a lot of health, crimes. So anything that puts people on one side of something uh, is really to be avoided. Even if you think the interviewer might agree with you, it's still things you shouldn't put on there because it's just not or talk about. It's just not the best judgment. And it can make things many times much more difficult for you than than it would otherwise be. I've seen people that, regardless of what side of the fence you're on with any of these issues, bringing them up in an interview can definitely do you some harm. Now, it's not to say that it can't help you in certain places, because sometimes if you're very left-wing or right-wing and you're interviewing with a firm like that, they may actually like that investment, but not always. If I feel the interview is not going well... Is there a way to steer it in a more positive direction if I really want the job? So a lot of times interviews will go poorly when the interviewer sometimes, you can't control the person interviewing you, but a lot of times interviewers will steer things in a negative direction or bring up things in their background. I personally don't think that's a good idea. I think the best interviewers often won't do that. But if they do bring up a lot of tough questions and it's not negative, you always want to just basically put a positive spin on stuff. So if you're asked what you did, you start talking about something that isn't going or didn't go well for you in a previous job, or I don't know what it would be, but or if you're if the interview is not going well and put it in a positive direction if you really want the job, then you can say you really I really think there's a lot of good things about this job for me. I I've learned from my mistakes, I'm hungrier, and whatever it is, and really steer things in those directions. There's always, and this is just out of having done this and counsel people for the past several years, or quarter century. These are the questions that every interviewer is asking themselves. These are the main questions. So can you do the job basically means, do you have the ability to do the job? Do you? And that pretty much usually comes through on your resume. So by the time someone brings you in to interview, then they're going to know whether or not you can do the job. And But you can certainly, there, there's different things they may be looking for. They may be looking for, can you handle the stress of the job? Can you handle the people you'd be working with? So they're looking for those things. So you, they are looking for that and answer to go along with that. But that's really the main thing there. And then do you want the job? People hire people that want to work there. So if you really want to work there compared to someone else and they really believe you want to work there, they're much more likely to hire you than if you don't appear like you, if you just appear like you don't want the job. I gave that example earlier uh, in this webinar when I was talking about interviewing someone that was very old that wanted the job and it was a mistake not hiring them. People that want a job very much or they, the firm is in some sense aspirational for them or something along those lines, or they're moving up or the job's a really good match for them are much more likely to get hired than people that maybe not committal. Being managed, I'm sure you know what that means, but if you look at any employer that you've ever worked with, you can probably notice that employers are constantly pushing people out that can't be managed or people that can't be managed are always leaving. And and so being able to be managed is very difficult. Oftentimes in summer associate classes, there's always one or two people that look like they can't be managed. It's almost what the test is of a summer associate job is they're looking to see if the person could be managed. But even young attorneys can't be managed. So being managed means will you come into the office when you're asked to? Will you do the things we ask you to? Will you do things like that? Commit to the job basically means are you going to stick around on the job and or are you just going to look for something else? Is this the kind of job that you want? And then do we like you? Basically means that. Do they like you? So if an interview isn't going well, typically the best thing I think you can do is often just 
come across is likable. And, and there's a lot of ways to do that. But if an interview is not going well, many times the best thing to do is to figure out how to get people to like you. And one way I recommend uh, doing that is is often asking people questions about themselves, pictures, to, like different sorts of things and getting people on your side. But these are really the questions that people are asking. There's articles about this that we provide to employers. So employers read these articles many times before or have read them in the past. And we give, I give webinars for employers about the same information. But these are questions that they're all asking and especially the more senior ones. Doing really well at any of these can really help you. So just think about if you were hiring someone. If you were hiring someone, the first thing you'd want to see is if they could do the work. Once you realize they could do the work, though, you'd want to hire someone that really wanted the job. Then you'd hire someone that you believe could be managed and then, and then would commit to it and so forth. So these are the questions that every interviewer is asking. Doing really well in any of these can always turn things around for you and can be very helpful. Do you want to take back control of your legal career? We have a solution for you. Harrison Barnes, the number one legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience, hosts weekly webinars followed by live Q&A sessions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. These webinars are packed with helpful information that you can use to advance your legal career. Best of all, after each webinar, Harrison stays for as long as needed in order to answer every question. So it's okay to talk about sports and other things that you like during the interview. It doesn't mean that it's going to disqualify you from anything. If you like sports, there's nothing wrong with liking sports. If you like any type of hobby that you like or things that you like doing is also very good. But And that's not really that personal. Personal information would include things that are just very personal in nature. You can, I talked about a lot of them up here, anything where the people are inside and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, you can provide personal information. There's nothing wrong with it. I just would be careful about volunteering personal information because there is a certain types of personal information where if people hear that this sort of information, hear this about you, it could potentially flip them to not liking you. So what kind of information would that be? Sports is not really one where people are going to dislike you because you like sports, but anything that's very personal in nature, which would be things like religion, politics, sex, health, all those sorts of things are uh, things that you may have done in the past. That many times can, can hurt you. And so you need to be many times careful about that. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com. 